Hello, welcome to MySpot Talks. I'm Chetan Shah, hosting a series of podcasts for the global events industry. In this week's episode, we are live from the Mayfair Townhouse and we're joined by Steve Kwa from Cheerful 21st, Simon Hamley from Strata Create, Linda Bico from About Partners and Richard Murphy from First Event. Thank you all for joining uh, this event at the Mayfair Townhouse. I feel like I've left a shoe at home. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm not in front of a screen. I've got trousers on. I know you, ha- you all feel the same. No, I'm not I'm bottom half naked, not normally. Um, so welcome uh, to everyone here to the Mayfair Townhouse. And firstly, thank you all for coming, for taking the effort to get on transport, to coming into town, uh, for being together. I mean, thank you. Uh, I know we all really appreciate it. We have got two rooms here. We've got this room and we've got the other room. What happened was was that originally it was going to be, well, four times later postponements, and we'll come into that in a second. Um, It was meant to be one event for 30 people, which is 50% capacity. I said to Hubert, we are so oversubscribed. People really want to come see the hotel. They really want to come see this event. So thankfully, we've got the great team for Onyx Events. And we've caught the two rooms. We've randomly allocated them. So I thank you all for joining and hope you appreciate why we had to do the two rooms in the way we did. Um, but hopefully you're all glad that we've got more capacity, more people, more friends from the industry to see, meet, and almost hug. Almost hug. <laughs> um, can I also welcome the people who are joining on the live stream? Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us from home. Uh, hopefully, you'll get some great insights and content in the next hour or so. So we've got about an hour of content with some thought leadership with a fabulous panel, which we'll come to. We've got some mice trays from amazing suppliers from our industry uh, up until 6 o'clock. So thank you for joining from home. Uh, please do comment into where I've posted the link. We'd love to see those comments um, uh, as we're recording. We have all done lateral flow tests this morning, and we've checked everybody's lateral flow tests that they were negative. So in terms of COVID safe, everyone had to do that, show it on arrival. We are socially distancing. We're wearing masks when standing. And in fact, we do need to wear masks when standing um, as we're moving around. But whilst you're seated, you don't need to wear your masks. We are only serving F&B while seated because that is the government regulations. And yeah, please, let's all just respect these rules. I know we haven't seen each other for an industry for so long, and that's flipping exciting. And we want to hug, and we want to kiss, air kiss or whatever. But let's take one step at a time. We don't want to throw this industry back or any sector. And also, if you're posting on social, you know, we've got an eye on this industry, and we don't want anyone... As soon as we post something that's a little bit off and people hugging and so on, we know what it's like, and we just don't want to do that. So please respect, and I really thank you for looking after after each other and those rules. Really appreciate it. We have done a risk assessment as well, so anyone wants sight of that, of course. Um, Also, just people are different as well. Let's respect that. People have got really different family situations. They've only had one jab, no jab, two jabs, whatever. So again, whilst you might want to hug, we don't know if they do. So all is a bit serious, I know. I'm sorry, but you can all appreciate why I'm saying this. Um, Yeah, so if I do ask you to step away from each other, and uh, please, please don't be offended. (laughs) <laughs> and I have to say, like, we may get, we will all get things wrong, and definitely we will. I, I didn't even print my own bloody badge. Um, so <laughs> please do forgive us. Um, we're, we're trying to do the best we can with the industry, trying to get a live event off the ground. So apologies if we don't do it quite right. Um, so, yeah, 
The flow of today, as I said, we've got some great content uh, for the first hour. We've got some great mice trailers in at 6 o'clock. We've got great food being served, great drinks, but you do need to be sat while it's being served, while you're eating and drinking. Then you're free to move around, but you do need to wear a mask. But we encourage you not to stay rooted to the seat that you've found, which we quite often do. As, actually, this industry probably doesn't, actually. We're all butterflies. So, But please do move from. You can circulate room for room. If one room gets too busy, we will ask people to go to the other room to keep that balance of people. Um, I want to say a huge thanks to the Mayfair Townhouse. Where's Hubert? Next to you. <laughs> <laughs> Hubert and the team, Lisa and the team, the whole... Just We've tried to get this event on four times and we've just had a great relationship. They've just said, we will do it, what you need, and... They have just been brilliantly, and they are, we know what this industry is like. They're all working to half the staff or whatever because of what's happened. But they've just been brilliant and just getting this event off the ground, trying to be as flexible as possible, getting the AV crew in from Onyx Events who've done a brilliant job, sorting out the two rooms, all of it amazing and a huge, huge thank you, especially with reduced resource and, yeah, really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Um, Thank you to my team as well for a whole year of work. Um, really appreciate all the hard work um, that the MySpook team has put in place. Um, so thank you to, that, to those guys as well. Right, I'm really done talking. I'm sorry, that was a bit of preamble, but it was kind of important. So let's get to the panel. We're going to talk uh, about three key things. But before we get to that, I'm going to ask the panel to introduce themselves, where you're from, which company, name company, and also what was the thing that confused you just coming out today to a live event? Was there anything that kind of perplexed you? <laughs> Did you, you know, start with you, Simon. Hi, everybody. I'm Simon Hambly. I am chief exec of a company called Strata. We are a full-service experiential event agency. Um, what confused me about coming out today to a live event? Uh, do you know what? I don't know about confusion. I just enjoyed walking from Victoria up to Mayfair. It wasn't raining. The sun was shining. I got welcomed at the door. I got welcomed at the door again. <laughs> and, and then I saw, you know, lots of people who I know. And, you know, while everybody is, I think, respecting safety and distance, it's, you know, you can feel the will that everybody has to start interacting and get back together and if that energy carries on from now on and leads into our clients wanting to do events then I think everything's going to be fine. Brilliant, thank you. Richard. Uh, so my name's Richard Murphy, I've got an event management company called First Event. It specialises in conference incentives and meetings. It's based in Leeds, I'm the token northerner coming down here. Uh, I've got about 50 staff, we turn over about £12 million, uh, or did do. Um, uh, confusion this morning, missed a train, first thing. <laughs> Local train from, from Leeds was cancelled, so I came back on the second train, so it was straight back into logistics and travel and all that type of thing. So, But thanks for inviting me here today. Lovely. Good to have you. Linda. Hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Linda Biko, um, CEO of About Partners, um, a representation company. Um, what confused me this morning, I think, uh, what to wear, <laughs> where my makeup was. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, you know, coming into St Pancreas and just seeing London, because I haven't been to London for the last 
um, 12 months. So just seeing people around and, you know, not it being in Ashford, I think that was a plus. But I think, you know, walking into a hotel and just seeing the buzz as well uh, makes me know that there's hope for our industry. Um, yeah, so for me, it was so emotional just walking into a hotel just to see people. Um, so I'm really grateful for this opportunity as well. <laughs> Steve. Hi, I'm Steve Kwa. I am CEO of Arima Communications PLC, but you probably know the two agencies we run, Shilver 21st, which is a brand experience agency, and Eventful, which is an incentive and, and venue search. Um, confusion this morning was finding my business card. <laughs> my suit jacket that I bought fresh, but I couldn't remember where I put it in the wardrobe. Um, but delighted, delighted to be here, actually, you know, in person again with colleagues and friends and to kind of share some love back in the business again. So uh, thank you, Chet. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for all of you guys for being on the panel today. So um, we're going to do about 40 minutes in terms of just some questions I've got, but hopefully you guys have got some questions as well. So last 10, 15 minutes, if you've got questions, please, that's when we'll ask you to raise your hand and uh, ask them to the panel. So um, this is my year to fail badly. I want to go bomb and I want to, out. I want to fail as big as I can, but the point being, I think this is the year to make it in so many ways. So I'm going to either make it or I'm going to fail badly. That's, you know, we've got loads of new initiatives like the V Awards, um, we've got the Manchester event, we want to do an expo next year, so many things. Point being is that there's a huge opportunity in this industry. So the first thing I want to tackle is what is the opportunity and how do we grasp it? So I'm going to come to each of you because I feel like even pre-pandemic, especially with you, Simon, you merged with another company about, what, a year before the pandemic. Yeah. So can you tell us in that sense why you merged and what is the opportunity you saw at that point? And equally, how's that evolved with the opportunity, if you see one, for this sector, given the pandemic? Yeah, okay. Number of questions to tackle that. So a little bit of history. I, I've been in the events business all my, all my working life in various guises. Uh, and... Two years ago, so Christmas 2018, just as we rolled into 2019, we merged two businesses together, one called Crown, one called Communique, to create Strata. And our rationale, if you like, our brand strategy was to create a business with a broader offering that could offer more to corporate clients through one touch point. So we do everything from strategy, planning, creative. We have traditional kind of production, event production. We have event logistics, incentive travel, right down to um, operational brand experience uh, operators who will go out and set up an event for, you know, I know, a small car company or, you know, that kind of more consumer brand experience. So everything from consumer through B2B and all parts of it. And that... We did that, and what we did, we broadened our client base when we did it, and so we had those opportunities to cross-sell our services into our clients, so we were helping them to deliver that brand consistency and the quality that they wanted, but also deliver business efficiencies that are at the heart of what big companies are hoping you know, to want to achieve as well as an end result. That was all great, so we doubled our client base, we increased our revenue, our pipeline of work was fantastic. And at the end of the first year, COVID hit and obviously, I mean, 
between April and uh, August of that COVID year 2020, I mean, there was literally nothing. So, you know, as a new business, we were counting on all that revenue to, you know, fund this business that we'd created. And we employ just over 50 people full time in the UK. So, you know, there's a lot of overhead that needs to, you know, be paid for and covered and all of those things. So there was, there was, I wouldn't say panic, but obviously, you know, I, don't, I think everybody would feel the same when COVID hit. It, we, there was a huge amount of uncertainty. Dealing with cancellations, wondering whether you're ever going to work with those clients again. What's going to happen to the events business? Then what happened was clients started to do virtual events. And clients who did consumer activity started to return. Consumer activity is slightly different than the bigger events because they can deal with much smaller numbers and they can do it in a COVID safe way much easier than a 500 person conference or somebody having to get on an aeroplane. The B2B events all went virtual and that was a great opportunity for us. Another lockdown, you know, fantastic. We kept, kept going with the virtual events. What's happened through COVID for us is we've actually, we've, the, and this is where it comes to opportunity, We've actually won more clients. So we, we exit the COVID period with more clients than we started. And that's happened because there's been a lot of disruption in terms of clients looking out, looking at the market, um, some people not maybe being as well, as capable of doing virtual work you know, as others. So that's great. We've capitalized on that opportunity. And that will lead into, I think, um, a bigger opportunity for us as we come out of COVID. More clients who are going to go back to live on top of the other activity. The virtual activity means more business. So we are looking at, you know, hopefully a good, strong return to growth. And actually, you know, at the out our outlook for the next six months is busy. Busier than we've ever been before. Um, that, but that's contingent on clients and it's contingent on the, you know, people getting back to being able to travel, people, you know, no more restrictions coming back on us. So that's really important. But it could get delayed by another six months, but I think the will is there to get back to life. The other opportunity, I think, for all of us in our sector is we have, we have, we have, it's opened up the opportunity to add services on more digital services, communications, more advisory services that were typically serviced by the PR agency or the ad agency or somebody like that. So I think we've got a bigger seat at the table and we've definitely got a will to get back to live events. So I do think there is good opportunity as we come out of the pandemic for those companies that have you know, managed to keep going and stay in, the, stay in the game, if you like, and, and, and keep hold of the good people you need to be able to do the work once you get past it. So um, you've taken a different take on, or well, approach to business in this last, very recently. Tell us about your restructure. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, just on the, the same point that Sam was making, I find it really similar story to yours about winning new business from um, global clients we've never had the opportunity before. So the same thing, and I hear it from lots of agents that have actually got more clients now than they had before. I just wondered, 
I just, it's fascinating what's happened to the agencies that looked after these big corporates. And I can't mm. get my head around the fact that, you know, we've won multi-million pound contracts. And I said to the sales team, how on earth, whoever looked after this client, I don't... Where are they? Where are they? Yeah. And, and what's going to happen when they come out of this? When they, well, I presume they haven't been in touch with them. Did you get an answer to that question? Well, from my sales team, they just said, could we be brilliant, basically. <laughs> you know, and that's the reason why. Fair enough. But it's just fascinating the fact that, similar to yourself, we've gone with a virtual offering, we've won global contacts on the back of what we can offer virtually, which we didn't do before. Um, but I just find it really intriguing, the fact, you know, any of our clients that were worth that size, we wouldn't let anybody anywhere near them. And I can't believe that it's been quite easy for us to get in the door and actually win them over, build relationships um, and continue going forward. I just wonder what happened in six months' time when they pick up the phone and say, oh, can we, can we get things back on track? And it's, I'm afraid not, we're now with XYZ. Yeah. I find it interesting, really, because lots of people tell the same story as you. There is an agency called XYZ, actually. Is it? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> good plug for XYZ, agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so go back to the original thing. Talking about opportunity, so um, the opportunity for first event for me was obviously a similar story where, you know, the world where, you know, stood still in March and was like, oh, my God, what the hell's going to happen here? So once you get over the initial tears and all that type of thing and you know what's going to happen to the company and then once you realize that you've you've talked to your clients it's not going to all crumble around you and you get your long-term contract sorted out once that initial chaos had all finished we then sat down as a leadership team and said well actually where's the opportunity in this as a business and for us i think it it fast-tracked what we had in planned for the business anyway so it fast-tracked the five-year plan we had which um i mean i know there's max and a few people anybody that know first event we're, we're quite an employee-led company culturally so um, I always say that the people that work for me um, are volunteers so they volunteer they could work for me they could work for anybody on this on this panel here so they volunteer to work for first event they dictate the culture they dictate the standards they make each other accountable to it um, they tell me how we can run the company better they come up with all sorts of ridiculous ideas but we end up you know putting them into place and so and so we said well we've got an opportunity now to embrace this and I think what you find what we found out within the pandemic was um, people that um, came forward basically. So I had members of staff that said, look, give me a 30% reduction so we can keep this person on, which was unbelievable. Yeah. We had people working weekends that didn't need to work weekends. We had people working three o'clock in the morning. And so it was a really good opportunity for us to give something back to them. So what we did as a business, we changed it from a business that I own to an employee owned company. So every single person that now works for first event um, is a beneficiary of the company. So they get, um, so we've got a leadership council, um, it's obviously like heads of department, so they talk about the culture and, and the strategy and put that in place. We've got an employee council, so we had like a, a presidential election, like Trump type of thing, which was quite <laughs> good, which was fantastic because they did like a virtual video to the rest of the company to talk about why they should be the president. But all it turned out to be is people talking about how much they love the company. So it was really quite emotional when everybody saw it. So. So we did that, so um, about two months ago, the company turned from uh, being solely owned by me to now being uh, owned by all the employees of the company. So, Amazing. Um, so profits, so be a profit split that will come in there. Um, they can decide on uh, what they want as a business and where it's gonna go. And it's just really, maybe it talks about empowering your staff and about communication, about ownership, but I mean, there's a lot of bull that goes on with that, to be honest with you. So I thought, put your money where your mouth is. Um, I'm not gonna, I've got two kids, they're 12, 13, 13 and 15 and it's not going to go to them so I think it makes total sense and I'm, I'm so excited about the fact that everybody now owns a company and everybody can push it forward and drive it forward and it's clients have embraced it we've embraced it 
it's, um, so it's been brilliant, really. I bet your retention is going to be, well, it probably is fantastic, <laughs> but I bet it's going to be ridiculous. Like, I'll Reten never leave. Staff retention? Yeah, but yeah, never I mean, Well, that's one of our, it's obviously been based in Leeds, so because we're such a great company. Um, <laughs> we don't have a lot of staff turnover anyway. But it's more about accountability, you yeah. know, as in, well, actually, that's not good enough. That doesn't, you know, that's what we need to do with this. Have you done that? You just make it, it just runs itself far mm. more um, for that reason, really. And it's, um, it's just, I say, three or four years ago, we started doing agile working. So mm. we had a great new member of staff that started to work for us, and they said, look, we, you're living in the dark ages here. So we should monitor people on output and not on uh, time, basically. Time. So three or four years ago, we put that in place so you could work wherever you wanted, whenever you want. Oh, so uh, you were well equipped for... Yeah, so, when, so nothing actually changed massively for us when the actual yeah. um, pandemic came in from a working point of view. Um, so, th so we've already had that culture in place, so it just reinforced it. So talk about opportunity, it's, you know, it's totally opened everything up for us as a business and driven it forward. So, so I, bizarrely, I'm, I'm quite, I quite like the fact we've had it, to be honest with you. I know it's a weird thing to say. But we are definitely a better company on the back of it. Yeah. Uh, we've got more engaged people. We've got more clients on board. We've got a different offering for digital and communication side of it, which we've, we've been forced into offer. Yeah. So um, I know it's a really weird thing to say, but it's actually a good thing that's happened to, to us as a business, basically, the pandemic. Yeah. But you've got to take the opportunity, right? So, yeah, Linda, so. you started your... Your business four months before COVID? Yes, yes, well I did. Yes, I did. I had the wonderful idea. I think it was in um, October 2019 that I thought, you know what, I'm going to set out on my own. Um, and I had a couple of clients, so I was like, you know what, this is it. I'm going to make it. And then um, come January, it was like a bit dicey, but, you know, February was okay. And then March, I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, and for me, it was either, okay, I could actually either be completely miserable or really look at the opportunity. So what I started to do was to really see, okay, these are the clients that I currently have. I can continuously continue to work with them. But then I also started to get other partners that I could work with so that we could offer more of a global aspect. But what I decided to do was just not to employ the people, similar to you, but also to give them some ownership of whatever um, um, the company was getting. So they would get like profit, plus they would also have a percentage share. So that for me was like, okay, this was the best way to drive people to make sure that we were all accountable together. And then, um, then we also started diversifying into um, digital marketing. Uh, I'm completely useless at that, but anyway, <laughs> I managed to find some experts um, who, who were willing to actually come on board and work with me. And one thing that I found is that, especially in the independent space and also small chains, um, that was such a big opportunity because sales was covered in some aspect, but really looking at their digital aspect, their website, the basic things. And that for me is where, you know, we probably started to make a lot of success roads. Um, and then also diversifying just from, not from hotels, but also to look at apartments as well. Because what we found was that a lot more people who were traveling were actually looking at staying into apartments. So, you know, being the typical salesperson, we started to go out there hunting, picking up the phone, looking for business everywhere we could. And I think for me, that helped my sanity because if I had just stopped, I would have stopped as in like a person, I would have just gone mm. into depression. But I looked at it as you can either get up 
and make things work or you can fail. So you, you are accountable for yourself and all these people around you. So you have to pick up that phone, have that conversation and find out who's traveling so that you can actually deliver business to your partners. So for me, um, it was just my own sanity that I needed to keep um, because I've always been very passionate about this industry. And I have to say, you know, you helped me a lot because I started to diversify into mice. And for me, just listening to, you know, all the mice talks and stuff really gave me that exposure. And doing the one-to-one -one meetings, I think I remember the first one that I did where someone came in for like one minute and I was like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good because then we could connect later on and start to find out more about the industry. So for me, I, it, this just made me sane. Um, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Um, Steve, you uh, purchased a, a business just pre-COVID and opened up international offices. Yeah, so what did you busy, see? Busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess out of any massive change, there are opportunities and there are challenges and there are stuff you can't plan. And I think speaking about our story, uh, pre-COVID, we had plans of expansion and growing the business anyway. Uh, and Eventful was an acquisition plan pre-COVID. Uh, and obviously, we stuck with that because it's still a good plan. And obviously, you're buying an events agency, um, a, a venue search agency. Uh, was part of that mix. But what I think it does is focus clients' needs and what they actually do need. And we were very fortunate that we had things they did want. Uh, and what I say mean about that is like previous two years, we have built up a whole strategic kind of engagement piece and offering around that, our insights and the creative kind of underpinning of that. Um, we have been doing virtual events for years, uh, by the way, and we had a big digital department. So we were ideally positioned and in fact, we did our first hybrid event just as lockdown happened. We had 1,000 people flying over to the Grosvenor. Uh, flights were spanned, so we had 100 people here, and we had like New York, uh, New Zealand. So we had a really fresh case history <laughs> right at the beginning, which is fantastic. But the main thing is that we have amazing clients and a mixture of fortune, goodwill, and the fact that we are very, very robust, as in we weren't panicking, that clients needed uh, the communication skills, it just so happens, it's not live, it's now virtual, and we capitalise on that and, and sort of grown the business. So other agencies have done similar, I'm not boasting, but other agencies have done a similar thing in that space. So we've doubled our headcount, we've opened up in America, we've recruited some really amazing talent to the firm, and kind of a bit like Simon, sitting here, more clients, more engagement, more pieces of work coming in, and actually preaching a little bit to the fact that it doesn't matter what your activation is. It is hybrid, great, and it's virtual, great, or it's in person, we love, by the way. Because, um, you know, being in the business 35 years, I'm a live kid at heart, but, you know, we, we are embracing that. Um, and, and, and we've grown. And I think it just focuses uh, opportunities for any agency doing that, is that we are now in a space where we are champing at the bit of the marketing and the advertising guys, but they're clueless at doing live, okay? But we're quite good at doing marketing, okay? So we're going to mix that bit together, and I think it's a massive opportunity for us. And it's probably the shake-up that we needed as an industry, because it was a bit getting a bit commoditized. It was a bit, a bit, you know, tactical, and it was a bit like we're doing this event every year, and that's gone. That's been refocused. So yeah, I'll be doing events in person, so I'm blue in the face, or virtual. Doesn't matter. And that's kind of how our clients think about it. And also, I must say, our clients were very, very fast adopters. We're on second and third generation events now with them in our timeline. 
uh, and we kind of kind of talk on about what the changes are. But you know, we we're doing events that were in person that will never go back to in person because they're far more effective, bigger reach, um, or they're going to drop virtually as soon as they can because the serendipitous social mm. celebration things you cannot do online. We know that. Okay, you can do. There's lots of technologies and tools to do networking, which are really improving. But going forward, what opportunities are? I think it's a really fertile space for anyone still around and fighting. Um, and the, the industry's probably evolved for the next phase, which is which is very exciting. So I'm um, happy to say that. Yeah, um, I think. Um, so the whole point of opportunity, and um, Elizabeth's here from Orange Door, and the risk as a result of going to those events where there are no masks or no social distancing is the, you know, is the, are the government going to change from the, what would you call it, behavioural economics that's been going on, in, particularly in this country during the pandemic, to one that's based more on facts and, 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 and I mean, you know, when, for example, in the US, if you've had two jabs, you can, you can go about your business as normal. You're not a risk to yourself, you're not a risk to anybody else. In this country, we have to wait until everybody's had two jabs. Well, I'm not sure that I would agree with that, and I don't think that's definitely not good for our business and good for our industry. So I would like to see us get to the point where things change in terms of, you know, if that's going to take everybody having had a vaccine, let's get the vaccines done. Let's get it done and get the country moving. And then the next stage will be travel. Let's get more green, whatever the traffic lights on, <laughs> and get people travelling. And we, we do. That's a fundamental thing that needs to change because that will open up activity, not just in the virtual world, but back to live events. We need that. Yeah, Charlie, you were saying that we're just talking about this now, actually. The fact, for me, it's a miscommunication of what's going on these past two days where, you know, they've said, um, you know, the, the, the traffic light system's been announced and then was it the health minister yesterday said, well, actually, travel is out for this summer. Lord Bethel, I think it is, it said, you know, um, you shouldn't be travelling away this summer. What type of message does that give to, to cop? You know, we work in the incentive side of the business. We've got... 11 million pound of contracted business going forward over the next 18 months. So from my client's perspective, they're nervous about the actual events they've got, but also why would they commit to any financial um, obligation for an overseas event when they, saw, when they get that mixed message of what's going on? Um, so for me, it'd be clarity. You know, this is, actual, this is what we're doing. This is how it works. These are the key principles you need to do, but not change the message every three weeks, which no one can plan financially for something like that. Yeah, and is that specifically our sector? I mean, or is it tr I mean, travel broadly is a harder one, right? They have to factor everything in. Yeah, harder for them, arguably. Linda, you're, you work with some international clients. What, what are you seeing in terms of bookings and approach to, to the... Is, where is it? Andamat, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I think that from my perspective, especially if I look at, like, what's happening in maybe, let's say, Asia and also... Um, further nearer home, which is like Andamat. So if I look at, for example, some of my properties, the Chedi, for example, they're pretty much fully booked for incentive travel. Um, and if you're looking at further afield like Asia, they're experiencing really good occupancies during the, the weekend, but not so good um, during the weekdays. But I think that for us, the fear is always the different rules 
and also the quarantine. You don't really know what you can and you can't do. And I think the government hasn't put like a proper framework in place. So if you look at, for example, Heathrow, where, you know, they could actually do tests, but they weren't allowed to do tests. I mean, to me, that doesn't make much sense because they've got the equipment there and they could actually do it to let travel ease up. Um, and for me personally, another thing is I had to go to Ghana in January. Um, and if I look at the money that I spent, I spent about five, six hundred pounds on doing all these different tests. And we can't expect people to do that to go on holiday. We can't expect businesses to do that because the businesses that I talk to, why would they pay five, six hundred pounds for somebody to travel and to have a meeting as well? I mean, we just need to get these things ironed out and also just putting more pressure, I think, on companies to let people slowly start to return to work because if people are coming in, they're going to have to somehow go into meetings. You know, the US, for example, I don't really understand why that's not on the green um, traffic light system because 37% of them have actually been vaccinated, but we're not allowed to go there or they're not allowed to come here. And I don't think that's fair because the US is such a big, a big contributor to the UK. So yeah. there's just too many mixed messages. Steve, what, what's, if you had a, a meeting with Oliver Dowden well, or whoever? It goes without saying, unless there's a standardization of COVID safety, let's park that. I think what has to change more from a, what we do as an agency point of view is putting the audience first much more in the conversation now because their world has changed and their kind of needs have changed and, 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 and still not thinking of going back to what it was because that's got to change because it's going to be different. And I think that's going to be a major change for a lot of clients is in what's the audience need, what's the purpose, why are you doing it, and virtual may be the perfect solution for that, guys. So, you know, or it could be, again, hybrid or it could be um, in person. I also think you should throw all the boxes out, let's say virtual, hybrid or person box it's just again going back it's a solution to your communication need and that will change and that helps us again if we can embrace that as an agency you're much higher up in the kind of conversation piece much more strategic and um, one of the out other outputs that we've um, been successful in is we're getting much longer programs of engagement as in mm -hmm. so an event used to be an annual event like we all love you know big stars and they're doing those over maybe three events or 12 events or a program and that's great for us because it's a longer conversation uh, and just much more, uh, a newer space. It's also quite exciting as well, I think. And I think um, that's what's got, not got to change, that will change, and that's in for the good. Uh, but underpinning that, you know, it's still a crazy world of can you travel until international travel comes back, forget whatever the discussion is uh, without, without yeah, transfer. I think it's a justification of travel as well. Yeah. Totally changed society where, you know, there was thing in the press this morning from HSBC saying they've saved 100 million pound on travel and discretionary spend. Um, we were talking about this before, weren't we? So, you know, from um, if a company like that, then it, it's going to be, there's a massive cost saving for them, and yet the results are still fantastic. So there will be a massive thing on ROI going forward that why, is this event worth a million pounds to be thrown at? Why can we do it? Why should we do it? And is there a different way we can do it that could save money? And that will have a long-term impact about the event industry, definitely. So do you think, sorry, go ahead. And another part of this pie is that, I think the data part and, you know, all the hype around that digital bit, 
But for us, it's kind of a new territory, yeah. and we're interpreting it in different ways. Yeah, yeah and, and we're going like first event, 60% retention, 8%, 95%, or when, when's the next one on? Yeah. So again, because we're good at engagement with audiences. So again, going back to that piece. So that data piece is really powerful. Yeah. KPIs, ROI, et cetera, et cetera, means you can get more value, more budget, more engagement, more yeah. peace, and they're going to do more of it. So you know, it's, it's a self-fulfilling cycle. The data piece and the KPI, you can't measure. That's the problem, always been a problem with our industry, right? Totally. You can't measure the conversation I'm going to have with someone just as I'm going over there to get a drink, and then and it clicks into my head. I remember I'm speaking to Paul and he told me about the birch and we've got an event there now and that was just a random picnic conversation that we had and and that was just because we were together and we wouldn't have had that and that so there is a challenge we've got because the data piece isn't there so how do you how do you overcome that maybe you don't overcome that type of thing but then if you have to if you have to sell into a client who says but i think we as an industry we've ignored it by the way i think yeah, we've gone we didn't really have it didn't have it we you know it, really. but we have surveys like was it good yeah. yeah. Well, very, very good. Yeah. Oh, everyone said it was good. You know, so, uh, so I mean, seriously, because people are afraid of it, and you know, and that's being brave and bold about it. So, you know, I think that's the change as well. Going back to the purpose piece again, and why am I doing this, dear client? Them saying they're going back. We we'll do it every year. That has gone because you're not going to do it every year because it's for all the reasons: health, safety, finance, CSR. Having talked about the whole kind of DNI's part of this, is 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 important now. So. Um, yeah, I think that's that's because we're, we're new kids in the block in some ways. Yeah, the advertising guys, the marketing guys, the digital guys, they didn't know what to do with it really. Yeah, and when we applied it to X number of views, so what? Yeah. Uh, what do they watch and how long were they on there? And actually, next time I go on to it, I'll give you the piece of yeah. video you want to watch. That's important. And we're doing a lot of on-demand stuff. Now. Yeah, so we're completely moved in a new space. Yeah. But we're still live and events and it's still engagement. So that's, that's but is, but my, my Maybe I'm not... Isn't the danger or the issue is that you've got that data with, say, a virtual event or hybrid. With a live event, you've got the data of who comes and then the questionnaire, but you haven't got any way to measure those random serendipitous, can't say the word, conversations, which leads to who knows what. There's no, there's no measure. So, but then if you look at one event against another, you can see, the, you can see data at that point or that channel, but you can't see at that one. So you deem that one more valuable and, that, and you drop that one, but that one actually possibly was more valuable. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at. How, yeah, how do we overcome I think, that? I think that's pre-COVID. I think post-COVID it won't be that way. I think you're going to have any event, you're going to have some sort of data or pre-engagement piece around it. If we're doing an event, that's what we're going to recommend. You know, previously, you know, campaign approach to a lot of our events wasn't. You register, you turn up, do a great gig. Very successful in those measurement points terms, but going forward, I think you need to measure that, and you need to do that, because you're going to have to qualify it. I think all the data that's come out of the virtual events will be transferred onto live events, yeah, so I'm making them far more accountable. Have, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, the, the, the push to virtual means we've all invested a lot more in people with real digital skills, yeah. and the spin-off benefit of that is when you start to apply that thinking to a live event, and a lot of it mobile-driven, yeah. pre-event, during the event, after event, the quality of data you get from that is so much stronger than what would have been a happy sheet yeah. that we're only just, I think, starting to, we're only just starting to discover what that is worth. And when we can start to put real value on that, then our value goes up with the clients and, and it's just kind of self-fulfilling. So yeah. I do think that is... That yeah, is add to, add to that, yeah. Simon, there's also pre-COVID, there was just 
wearables were coming in. Yeah. Would intelligent you know, data acquisition to do with around how the usage was, how the experience was. So again, so that's going to come back again. And technology is a great enabler. And ultimately, we're all being digitized. It will end up, will be a pixel with some data behind it in years to come. You can't, you can't ignore that. You can't fight that. So let's embrace it. And I think there was a lot of pushback for in pre, more production-based type of approaches, more, you know, absolutely. It doesn't apply to parties, okay? You want to apply to a festival. Well, it might do, actually. It's marketing. But, I mean, so, but again, so again, it's just evolving, and that's what happens. You need a change to make things happen. Uh, been that, Catherine. Would you say we're, we are at the infancy, though, of this? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. And to the other point, recruitment. Mm -hmm. Are we now looking for different people? Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for example, like what? We've, what? We've, implied, we've implied four coders, and we've got two web-based designers, whereas beforehand we had a coder that um, built registration sites for us, and we had um, three graphic designers. So now we've got a whole digital department. We've got a digital marketing person, uh, web coders, one guy I've never met. He just sits in his room with a baseball hand. We interviewed him online, and he was you know, a great guy, but he just didn't want to come into the office, which is brilliant. It's amazing what he does. But it's just a different, you know, from a, you know, from an obviously, event industry, we're all control freaks, aren't we? So it's quite strange to actually have a guy working for us for three months and then met him. You know, so it's just, so totally, it's a different, we've got a full digital department that didn't ever exist 12 months ago. The, the, and then feeding down, does the event management courses, are they, do they need to really look at their courses and their modules now? And, uh, or? This is, I think, here's another answer. So like, if I was on a desert island, I want to be with event people. <laughs> because they can sort shit out, yeah? You, okay. you, would, you would be, uh, you wouldn't be. I would be, uh, I would, would be, be yeah. Okay. And now, now we've got, all these people on our team, we know what to really do with these guys to make an effect. Yeah. So as I said, it's new to toys to play with. So, um, sorry, a bit swing there. <laughs> anyway. As well as the recruitment, uh, you know, the people that work for us, a lot of those have evolved during this period. They've all learned new skills. Yeah. And I, I think you're right in terms of the event management. Do they need to evolve with the business? Yeah, of course they do. Will they evolve quickly enough? I don't know. Um, but people in our, in our businesses, I think, have evolved. And actually, for us, we've got you know lots of people who've changed jobs, yeah. mm. you know, and probably won't go back. It's to reskilled. Yeah, reskilled. Yeah, you still got the project management transferable skills, haven't you? Some from the event management point of view, mm. you know, you're still putting in those same project management skills, but delivering them in a virtual way. So, I mean, you've got you've got clients that have bricks and mortar hotels in great places around the world. How do you, I mean, do you see how that's going to be channeled and delivered and get these guys to buy back in? I think that um, one thing that a lot of them have been focusing on is their digital presence. So they've been doing a lot of work on their digital presence and really looking at how they can enhance the overall experience. So you won't be able to maybe invite people over for a fan trip, but how can they still give you that experience? So they are spending a lot of time and effort and being a little bit more inventive about you know, what they're doing on all the digital platforms and how they're presenting themselves. When before, whether your picture was good or not, it didn't matter because you could get somebody to come and look at it but those days are far in between. So I think that a lot of my clients have spent a lot of time looking at their digital space. And like, is that like the 3D virtual yeah. tours and mm -hmm. 
And I guess it helps with sustainability. You don't yeah. need to fly. Well, you can't fly at the moment. Yeah. But you don't need to fly for every site inspection. You can virtually, virtually do that, yeah. But I also think that um, a lot of them have started using Instagram a lot more. So really making sure that they're posting more experiences. Because um, I think I was... Um, uh, um, I think one company was telling me that when they're actually looking at venues, they, they look at Instagram a lot. So if you want people to see you, that's almost like your shop front. So making sure that they're taking the right pictures, but also showing what they can showcase. So that's, that's where I've seen a big uptake. Um, Sorry, you want to come in? Well, I think we're all talking about digital and virtual, <laughs> which is great. But I think you highlighted something that we can, does point, I think, to why live will come back and why it will still be a powerful thing that businesses will spend budgets on and it's because of the intangibles mm. okay so I, I you know if you look further down the line and you play out the scenario of the fact that you know lots of big corporates are reducing their office space they're not asking their people to come into the office mm. what are they going to do when they want to get those people together yes they're going to place more premium on that experience and they're going to need people like us to do that for them so i do think one of the positive you know one of the positives that come out of this will be that people will place more value on that experience and so that plays to our strength and it gets amplified by the digital and all the rest of it but you know i there will be less frivolous spend or meaningless spend on events but there'll be much more focus and premium spend when it does happen Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, the, the, you can't replicate the hairs in the back of your neck, you know, when something amazing happens, like being in the theatre, and that will come back, and there'd be a value, value to that, and there'd be more importance put around that. And going back to the intangibles, the intangibles are where you go. Yeah. That was the best night of my life. Why? Because, you know, I met some people, and I, yeah, so those will come back, and again, it was put more more value against them because I think they became a bit of a numbers game at a certain stage, and a bit and routine. You, if you can gain, I don't know, if you're a medical practitioner or some sort of consultant in business and you're used to going to a congress and you stop going to those congresses because your business has said, well, we're not going to fund that travel, you don't need to do it, you can just attend virtually, you start to lose competitive advantage because yeah. you haven't made those connections. Mm. It won't be long before you're saying, no, no, I need to be there because we're not making the connections we need to mm. really succeed. And, you know, I, I don't think that will go away. It may take time to come back, but I don't think that will go away. No, I was just about to say, I completely agree because, you know, in the sense of, as, as you said earlier, when you go, you meet people, you build these connections. We've all done the virtual, but there's nothing like, you know, hearing about your woodlands. I'll always remember but there's nothing like, you know, finding out all these little things about different people that you can interact with mm. and actually, you know, I'll send you an email, say woodlands and you'll understand. <laughs> uh, but, but those things, you just can't get them. Yeah. And our industry, you know, yes, we've all got this technology, but we're people yeah. and people by people at the end of the day. Um, and that's why I think that it will definitely come back. It might take a while, but you still need to make those business connections. So just, who's got some questions? Just have them ready. I really would like to come up. 
So I'm going to, Steve, you want to come in with something quickly? Yeah, no, just, just another observation is actually the more senior the audience, the more they want to be in person, by yeah. the way. Yeah. But uh, which is interesting because obviously more senior, more value, more, more exactly. So I think that's just, just to add to that because we're seeing that with eventful guys who one incentives are picking up, um, especially that kind of smaller C-suite kind of engagement piece. Highly produced, highly engaging, quite strategic. So again, encouragement for everybody. That is really... Again, a little sunny sort of ray coming from the, the post-COVID uh, uh, world of going back to live again, yeah. which is great. Um, we've got, uh, got a question. I think Elliot's got a question. Uh, if we can get a microphone, please. Uh, it's also, name, uh, where you're from, and who, who's question to if it's the whole panel. Great. Uh, Elliot, uh, Elliot Grant. Yep. Elliot Grant from Blackbook. Um, it's to anyone, actually, on the panel. So you've all talked about... Um, the evolution, the development, the creativity that's come into live events, into conferences, into meetings. But does anyone think there's going to be any of the same evolution in an incentive when the dust has settled, when coronavirus is in our rearview mirror, when we can all shake hands and sit next to each other on the tube again? Will an incentive look any different than what it does now? I can answer that, my point of view. Uh, one, we've invested heavily in incentives, uh, particularly in event and I think your product is not virtualized. You, you travel, so it's not going to change. And I think going back to that point, I think there's going to be more emphasis on the value of that and why you're going to make the effort for that. And I think that's really exciting too, to go back to um, that piece around you know, your product, incentive travels, you travel somewhere, so therefore you can't make it virtual. Around that will be digital stuff, and around that will be more comms engagement, employee engagement pieces, but that's kind of standard fear. But my opinion is, I think there'll be an impact for the good, but I think the core thing will be the same, because it should be. My yeah, I agree, Elliot. I mean, we talked about this years ago, didn't we, about having a, a virtual incentive and you know Instagrammable moments and things like that. So I think that will continue, you know, from the same perspective. But it will be more, I think, be more measured, and there'll be more return engagement throughout the whole thing. So possibly live feedback as the actual incentives going on, as opposed to did you like your you know breakfast in the morning type of thing. It'd be a live experience about what you're doing and give it live thumbs up. So in a way, it could be a, it'd be a dual experience of people that may not have qualified for the incentive, will still be part of the incentive from a virtual perspective. That's the only thing I can see changing going forward. I've got a question back to you, Elliot, actually. You're the one of these people that I know goes and finds the most craziest place in the world to take people to, which you're renowned for. But do you think that will change in the short term because of people's comfort level mm -hmm. sensitivity? Or do you think, actually, that's where I'm going to put my best foot forward because that's, that's, that's what I love and do? Sadly, I think the answer is, is no, people will stay safe for a while. Not necessarily because, I think there'll be two types of people. There'll be people who are like, I haven't been able to travel for a while. I'm desperate to go anywhere. And I want to experience, I've, I've missed a year and a half traveling. I need to experience the world. There'll be others who are like, I I'm not comfortable doing this. There's too many hurdles for me. Um, and unfortunately, our clients, all of our clients, have to cater for that lowest common denominator. You can't, you can't plan trips, you can't plan events based on this one person who you know is going to love a trip to here. You have to make sure it appeals to everyone. So sadly, I think in the short term, it'll be safe bets for a while. Yeah, we've seen the trend in short-haul destinations compared to long-haul long -haul ones just for that, that very reason. Uh, who else has got a question? Anyone else at the moment? Yes, please. Hi, um, I'm Lizzie from Oddity Events and Marketing. 
Um, I had a question for you all about managing your team. So I hired my team in February 2020, um, and then two weeks later we went into lockdown, and I've, I've had to really like pay a close attention to them and their diversification of their skills. Um, how do we, as we move back into traditional event management, encourage them to go back to their old skills and hide nose and get used to doing that again, but not to, um, I guess, forget about the digital stuff and make that really important. I've got a really small team, so any advice on that would be really helpful. So you're talking about the engagement of your own team, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so they're, they're event managers by trade, but obviously we've had to add more strings to our bow, as you say. Um, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of things that they have to focus on and what your advice would be whether they should focus on what they're, you know, what they're known for or whether we, I should keep pushing forward with the digital skills. Yeah, so, so as a business we, um, we invest in a thing called uh, Insight and uh, to do personality profiling on each individual. It sounds a bit sinister but it's not, it's quite good. So the, um, you've got three different colour types basically, you know, so you've got your cool blue which are, um, you know, really not extroverts and quite method driven and we do, you've got your yellows which are big extroverts, greens which are, you know, earth people and all that stuff. So as a business we know who's what and how, and the, it's a really good report, it's well worth doing and uh, it'll give you, and it'll actually tell you how to communicate with each individual and what skill set they've got. I don't think there's anything worse than trying to put a round peg into a a square hole, you know, and it's all that thing about promoting people outside of the skill set doesn't work either. And if you, I think if you put the wrong person in the wrong job, they'll just leave. So for me, it'd be about recognising their, their core skills and just making sure that um, they work as a team collaboratively. So we always make a conscious effort to get a blue person, a yellow person, a green person, sounds weird, in a room because we'll have the crazy yellow person there. <laughs> <laughs> But then we'll have, we'll have the cool blue, we'll say, well, actually, you're mad. There's no way you can do that because of health and safety, car parking, and this, that, and the other. And so collaboratively, we'll work together to get the results. So for me, I would I'd get a deeper understanding of your team um, and ask them what they want as well. They'll tell you what they enjoy and what they're good at, and people will shy away from what the, their core skills are. And I'd, I'd also celebrate it as well. I'd have, so from my point of view, internally, we're having a... We're having a we're having a big barbecue at my house, 24th of June. We're all coming to my house having a massive we're party. All and all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the woodlands. You have to go up north. Yeah, yeah. But so I'd, I'd break all those barriers down, particularly working in the virtual world. The first opportunity you've got, if you're comfortable with it, I think it's massive to get people around and just every chill out, every relax, and just, you know, we've got through it together. And it just reaffirms your values and what your culture is and your team, really. So I get to know them and I just have a big party, basically. Well. <laughs> it's your answer to everything. Uh, we've got a question over the lady over there. Hi, uh, Tony from Cheerful 21st. Just joined Steve and the team there. Um, just a question. We've spoken really, really positively about the opportunities within our industry, which... Anyone that knows me, I'm all for the positivity. But I'm just really interested as well about the challenges that we might be facing with the industry. So, for example, maybe a lack of, you know, losing talent um, who maybe had to make decisions and moved out of the industry or, you know, those that have been out of the game and need to get back in and get game ready. Um, just what we see as the challenges and how we think we can overcome them. Do you want me? Yeah, I'll say it. So, yeah, I think there are lots of challenges we've been... We were being quite positive. I think there are huge challenges. <laughs> huge challenges that come with the next six months. Uh, talent, definitely won't. Some people have, well, on a number of levels. Some people have left our industry and are never coming back. 
we, if we had certainty over what was going to happen, we'd hire more people tomorrow. So we're in a, you're in a difficult position where you can't really commit to enough of the resource you know you're going to, you might need if it all happens. And therefore, there's, you know, that's, that's going to create pressure and stress and all of those things at some point. Other, other issues, I think, con contractual issues around just being able to make, you know, clients want contingency built in and it's not what it was. And all that risk is on us. It's on, you know, no, I, I'm not going to pay for that venue. We have to cancel the day before because of COVID-19. That's, you know, so all that risk has come onto us, I think. That's a huge concern as well. So I think managing through this period of uncertainty is going to be uh, incredibly difficult. Yeah, I think mental health is a big challenge as well for, for us as an agency. You've got obviously different personality traits and people have been working remotely. Um, virtual is massively stressful. You know, our industry, we're, again, we're all control freaks. And for virtual, there's so many things that are outside of your control. Mm -hmm. I think it's had a huge impact, certainly on my team, for um, just being really aware of the mental health. I think it's a big challenge going forward and social anxiety coming back into the workplace as well, you know, all that imposter syndrome and all that type of thing. So certainly for us as a team and a leadership team, we're really aware of that. Um, so I think that's a big challenge, getting people on board and getting them engaged, but also be aware of that uh, mental health side of the business that needs to be looked after. Health side because um, I, I think that you know even coming here we're not sure what we can and we can't do and thank you for giving us that really good brief of what we can and we can't do um, but I think that you know individually you know whilst we're all excited you have some people who are really anxious and a lot of the clients that I've been talking to or people that I talk to we just don't know how to behave when we go to events anymore. Um, and I think that that's something that we need to start to make people feel a little bit more comfortable about as well and respecting those boundaries. But I think mental health, on the positive, I think that now when you get on phone calls, people actually ask you, how are you? And they really mean, how are you? As opposed to a ticking box. So I think that this has maybe allowed us to all become a little bit more feeling, should I say, um, and genuinely want to know how people are. Um, so I think it's, it's been negative and positive as well. Okay, um, I'm gonna, it's up to 5.30, so I wanna stick to time. Thank you so much. Big round of applause to the panel, please. We really hope you enjoyed those talks, and if so, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. To see what the next discussions are, please go to mustbeonit.com and click on Talks in the menu bar. To contact MiceBook, please email us at info at or follow us on Instagram and Twitter.